All right, today is episode six, No Putts Given. We've got Chez Reeve winning the Travelers Championship. We've got something called the Corn Ferry Tour. My Golf Spy is visiting Titleist, yes. And we're going to cover YouTube Golf Club reviewers. Let's get it. All right, so Chez Reeve wins the Travelers Championship. It's been a long time since he's won. 10 years, 10 months, and 27 days ago. Not long at all for It looks like he's changed quite a bit. He has. He's put on a few LBs and you know, I think matured. it's the hat. I think it's the flat brim. Flat Makes brim. the head look big. Yeah. He's got the same watch on, I think. <laughs> Probably. I think he does. 10 years. Or a new one now. <laughs> yeah, he's going to buy a new one now. So, believe it or not, he actually tied for third at the U.S. Open. Most yeah. of you guys might have. I had no yeah, idea. Did and he's super hot this year. He's got five top tens. The dude is on it this year. So um, don't hate on Chez Reeve. And favorite thing I like about him, no Twitter account. Love that guy. And he, <laughs> Take notes. He has an Instagram account that just started yesterday. And I think it's a fake account. Did you start that for him? I'm trying to get followers. I want to I wanna feel wanted. <laughs> you got more followers in one day being a fake Chez account. Yep. All right, follow Harry, okay? Um, anyway, chance. 10 years is a long time in between wins. It was one of the longest droughts, um, PJ Tour. And it, it makes me think, like, what everyone was doing 10 years, 10 months ago. So, Sam, what were you doing 10 years ago? I guess I was dressed as... <laughs> that is not you. <laughs> yeah, I had the Justin Bieber hair in 2009. Wow. That looks like Young Life back in high school. Oh, my God. So was we that... had an ugly Christmas sweater party. Was that pretender? Oh, dude. I don't. I think I had like a LG chocolate or something. There, there wasn't even apps on the phones back then. I didn't have internet on my phone. Is Dude, you look, you look like the kid off the Grinch. Hey, <laughs> he looks really happy. In that I'm hanging out with some elves. I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Well, anyway, moving on back to the winner of a tour event. He ranks 157th on tour for driving distance, first in accuracy percentage, which brings me to a question: Do you think that? the number one golfer in the world can be a short hitter again. Potentially. If, if we have to say yes or no, I, I would say no. What do you think, Tony? No. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, think about that. He's 157th, averages 285 off the tee, which that's pretty close to dead last, and he's still hitting in a pretty decent ways. He has to rank first in accuracy to be able to compete if you're that low down there, right? Mm. So, I mean, in today's – uh, you know, events. It's funny you see a lot of the educators out there preaching so much about gaining mile per hour on their you know swing speed and things like you've worked on and Harry's worked on, and you see why because all things being equal, a guy that can hit it farther has a better chance of winning on tour. You know, yeah. Well, so. the, the longer hitters, the short game is so much better than it was. So even if they do hit it in the rough, well, that's what they, I'm saying. All yeah, things exactly. being equal. They're exactly. not losing their short game ability <clears throat> by back, being able to hit it Back farther. then when Luke Donald was, was winning, he was a short hitter, but his short game was so much better than everyone else. Isn't that crazy too, Tony? Like, <clears throat> Do you think that's all evolved out of a couple things, the launch monitors and strokes gained? Uh, definitely the launch monitors, and I think you know some of the some of the things we've learned about optimizing club head speed and, and just getting bigger, faster, stronger. And the reality is the guys that are significantly longer on, on tour – are generally just marginally less accurate. So right. you know, basically they've got they've got less ground to make up. They're not missing a, a ton more fairways than the shorter guys. So Yeah, yeah the whole drive for show, putt for dough thing has been kind of, you know, demystified, you know. So was that back in the day, was that kind of like the trade off was if you want a distance you sacrifice accuracy no matter what? I don't think people knew anything. I think it was just so much guessing. And now we have numbers to go with it just yeah. like so many other things. Now we can actually quantify things that we just the 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 folklore that you heard in the vernacular going around tour or at the local driving range or anything you know mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, you anyway. can take some of these these big hitters too they have really good short games too so yeah it's not like just because you hit the ball players, far. it's not like you know there's there's sort of i think at one time this idea that these guys were just pounding it way up into the rough and then you know hopefully getting it close and making a couple putts but the fact of the matter is the big hitters are reasonably accurate they have outstanding short games to boot i mean look at kepka 
just feel like if he gets inside 100 or or even you know 150 sometimes he's going to drop it within eight feet of the flag stick so i mean yeah dj shot up the world rankings when you know, he's always been long but his whole vice was his wedge play and then that couple of years a few years ago when he improved his wedge game took him straight up to world number one i mean he was killing it well you got to have everything right yeah. all things being equal if you want to talk about sort of the the biggest impact i think real world wise in terms of the strokes gain methodology and understanding that is that the guys have been much, much uh, better able to identify the weaknesses in their game and then address those. So right. it wasn't That's... just sort of like, I feel like I don't have a great short game. It's bingo. Well, you're, you're pretty good. You got a hole at 120, fix that and you're going to, you're going to be money. And, and that's what you're seeing. And that's the incredible value for amateurs of these Arcos and stroke uh, shot scope type devices where for the first time you too can learn you know, where you suck, you know, where you need to spend more time. Um, Turns out for me, it's the golf course. <laughs> That's your handicap is golf. I would <laughs> T2 green. I'm terrible. Once I'm on the green, though, it turns out I'm a pretty solid putter. Well, Just getting there is a problem. Looking yeah. at uh, what's in the <laughs> bag. journey. Looking at what's in the bag of what he played. It's a mix again, which I and we all love to see. A lot of tailor-made stuff. Tylus Pro B1 ball. How many weeks in a row is this, Tony? I mean, I mean, not in a row. There's been a couple other, like with Tiger winning, right? Well, if you look any given week, right, especially in a major, which obviously this wasn't, but, I mean, it, it's usually sort of titleist is somewhere 80 to 85 balls in play, and the next closest is 15-ish, give or take. So, I mean, and it's, look, there's it's some... domination on tour for sure. Yeah, and there's a lot of people out there that go, well, yeah, you know, and – we were probably a part of that before my golf ball. Yeah, they pay for it. They pay, they do pay for it. Sure I can also tell you this. We just did a golf ball test, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts. The Pro V1 is a great ball. It's, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, surprise. I mean, yeah. Well, really good. not surprises, but <laughs> it was nice to see the validation there of why so many of these guys are playing it. It's not because they wear it, you know, like he did in 2008 on his hat. On his hat. Right. These are a consistent ball. Uh, from ball to ball, and it's a great performing ball for a lot of golfers. Um, which brings me to the next point is actually we're going to Titleist this week. Tony leaves tomorrow. Tony, tomorrow. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, driving down, so about a little less than four hours to get there. So not terrible. So if any of you guys have questions or ladies that are listening to this, watching this, and uh, we are going to go down there and ask some of the questions you have. Uh, one of the cool things in the research that I found was. Do you know who even started Titleist? Can anybody guess? No clue. Yeah, pretty cool story. So his name is Philip Young. <clears throat> and the reason why he started uh, Titleist is crazy because we found the same thing to be true 75 years later in a golf ball test, right? He was putting with his dentist on the putting green, and the ball didn't roll dead straight. And he was wondering, how in the hell is that possible? So he gave the balls to the dentist. He x-rayed a bunch of balls and found that the cores were not centered in balls. And that's why they flew erratically. And for anybody out there that said we were crazy when balls were flying left or right on the range when we did our golf ball test, there you go. Wow. That's so yeah. cool. I had no idea. Yeah. So cool. I mean, look, anybody, anybody who just starts randomly cutting open golf balls, like go to your, go to Home Depot, get a PVC cutter, buy some golf balls, whatever brand you want start cutting them open, you will find very clearly situations where you have different thicknesses in different layers. You know, usually it's most observable on the cover where you see the, you know, a little more on one side, but yeah, every layer you can, you can find that if you look across a lot of balls. That's yeah. We were, the, one of the most Sorry. shocking things we did was when we did the Kirkland golf ball test, right? Um, that pretty much everyone has heard about, doesn't even know that my golf spy did it, but somehow found out about yeah. it, right? You heard of the Kirkland test? Oh, yeah, that was us. Yeah, so great performing ball. And, you know, companies were quick to jump out and say, yeah, 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 but uh, they're not consistent. And they're not wrong. Like, right. out of a dozen balls, we were pretty shocked at not Kirkland necessarily, but just balls in general. How if the average consumer buys a dozen balls and you would think that all those 12 balls are the same. Yeah, they're exactly the same. But it's just not even close to that. Yeah. And that's where the Titleist and the Bridgestones and the Strixons maybe really start to outperform, especially even the direct consumer balls that everybody's hearing about the yeah. vices and, you know, whatever. But anyway, so yeah, he had a tailor-made uh, driver M2. Pretty cool. Tailor-made Sheesh. M5, three wood. His irons, the tailor-made P790s, are most forgiving iron player's in 2019 distance. for player yep. distance 
Folky Wedges, Odyssey Works number seven putter. And uh, yeah, so in other news, tour news, um, we've got something for you guys that have never heard of this called the Corn Ferry Tour. And <laughs> for you that don't know what the hell Corn Ferry is, it's a global organizational consulting firm, which does not, I still don't know what that means. But um, what I thought was cool was the guy, Club Pro guy, if you've ever heard of him on Twitter, put out a great <laughs> put out a great tweet because it was exactly what I was thinking when he put it out. It said, I feel like the jury's still out on the new Corn Ferry Tour logo. I that's, think that's a great logo. Wait, no way. Is that the logo? No, no, no. no. Okay. Thank <laughs> God. That's what Americans eat for Halloween. Those candy corn. Candy, candy corn. Candy corn. Oh. That's a candy corn? Yeah. Oh, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows the name or the logo. What do you eat for Halloween? Sweets. Sweets? What kind of candy is famous or popular in your country? Cadbury. Haribo. <laughs> oh, Galaxy. Haribo. Do you remember when he... Who was eating that Cadbury egg in our office that day when I walked in? The, our Matt? Both of them were yeah, having a good I was time teaching, with things. I was teaching Matt how to eat oh, properly. Man. I guess if, there's a special way to eat it. You bite off the top and then you suck out the... Let's not go any further okay, than no, that. Yeah. That video gets out and Harry might be in a little <laughs> trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Next. <laughs> um, anyway, <clears throat> speaking of professional tours, that replaced the web nationwide... Buy.com, Nike, and anyone? Hopefully. Hogan. Yeah, 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 the Hogan tour. Bingo. So it replaced all of them? Well, that was the, well, the oh, progression I see of the names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's their lineage right there. That was the sponsor's names of, now it's the Corn Ferry. This is and, by far the worst year, name. <laughs> this is by and far next, the worst name. And next year, you will not see the Corn Ferry tour anymore. It will be disbanded because of the name. No, I think they've got <laughs> like a 10-year... Sorry to the, you know, the brand ten, name, I mean, but... It's... It sucks, you know, like, that's a really bad Tony, name did you say the, the first guy's name was probably, last name was Corn, and the other guy's last name was Ferry? I would guess that's how, I mean, <laughs> otherwise there's absolutely no explanation. Well, talking about um, professional tours, are you going pro, Harry, or not? 80% yes right now. Yep. 80% yes. I just got to do a little bit more research. What's holding you back? Not Nothing, really. I'm just, Putting? I want, I, that's probably true. I'm... I want to play a couple more um, amateur events. I've got USM qualifying coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, and a couple more events. I just want to have a little bit more fun can, with. Can I caddy for you if you make it to Pinehurst? Yes. So we were yeah. just talking about this this past week. So Harry's thinking about going pro. Sam was debating why he didn't think he should. Yeah, yeah. Both of these guys are great golfers. Probably if they played 10 times, we really need to go and see you guys play. We need a vlog. Of, We're not of big one. into vlogs, but uh, that would be a good one, I think, internally. Tony, uh, I'd ask if you were going pro, but we both know we're not going, so we're just going to have to watch them and caddy. On to the next thing. Semi-pro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually hoping to improve enough to play as an amateur. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's enough about the Travelers Championship today. And Shez Reeve, congratulations, big win, and a big year so far for him. So He's playing really well. Yeah, Kind of flying under the radar until now. Yeah. yeah. That will happen. I would Didn't say until know. the U.S. Open when he played out of his mind as well. So Yeah, but, but I never even you know what's I crazy never noticed that? it. Go back and look at the coverage of that tournament, and people were demanding, like, what the – like, this guy is third or fourth, I think, at the time. Um, and no coverage. They were showing him. That's no. probably why we didn't see because immediately. Well, that's like it. four shots. What's that? I think they showed like four shots. Oh, yeah, but no, when that's... they showed them, I guarantee there'll be putts because they'll cut to someone and you know what's going in. So, so it's like, like, yeah, oh, he rolled in a twenty-foot putt. That's him. Here's not Brooks Kepka. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up on no putts given is what we call shot of the truth. It's an opportunity for us to just talk about something in the industry that's happening. Uh, that we would like to give our opinion on and also get feedback from the listeners or watchers that uh, are you know, out there on YouTube or listening to this podcast, wherever you're listening to it. And today we're going to talk about YouTube Golf Club Reviewers. And not only how did it start, but where is it now and where do I think it's going or where do we think it's going in the future? So basically, YouTube is an amazing platform. You know, it allows anyone and everyone to spread a message, which is awesome. And it reaches over a billion people, which is obviously a lot of people. Wow. You know? Yeah. And, you know, originally it allowed a lot of the teaching pros that 
otherwise could only reach really their closest zip code, right? Meaning you have a guy that, you know, is your swing coach 10, 15, 20 years ago. The only people that came to him for the most part, unless you were a top 50 coach on golf digest list was the people that lived in your local zip code. This really was an opportunity for educators and teachers to reach outside of that little area, that demographic, that geo-targeted area and go, man, if I've got a, if I want to educate, I can now do that to the world, right? I, you know, and that was a great platform for it. Um, so that brings it to a lot of people email us or ask over the years, if you guys are supposed to be the most comprehensive golf equipment testers, why don't you do golf club reviews or at least one-off golf club reviews on YouTube then? And there is a lot of reasons to that. Uh, over the last 10 years with my golf spy, we've collected hundreds of thousands of shots and analyzed millions of data points, right? And what we realize is there's little to zero value for the golfer, for the consumer in watching, listening to, or viewing a one-off golf club review. So why is that? Well, your swing is not like mine. And what that means is theirs is almost nothing like yours. Their swing speed is different. Their angle of attack is different. Their tempo is different. The way they deliver the club is unique and it's not like yours. And also five to 10 shots, which is what most of them collect, is not nearly enough data to tell you how a club will actually perform. Especially when one shot out of those five, which equals 20%, can completely throw off the entire tiny set of data. So when we're building our testing system, golf companies had a major problem when we were at six testers. Now think about that. They're at one, right? We were at six. Sometimes two. Sometimes two. Yeah, and they throw the average golfer in there. But we were at six, and we knew it wasn't enough, and the golf industry told us it wasn't enough, but it was the best we could do at the time. So we built a dedicated test facility and ramped it up to 35 testers. And because you know why we ramped it up? The golf industry was right. The leaders on equipment testing, the, comp the people that worked for the manufacturers like Callaway, Titleist, TaylorMade, Ping, were right. You needed more data. You needed more testers because think about it. Almost all of the tests that you're seeing on YouTube are showing five to 10 shots. And nine times out of 10, those are all center strikes. What determines the actual performance of any golf club are actually the miss hits. All golfers miss it. So how does it perform when they're hit like golfers play golf with them? Which is why we hit close to 10,000 shots in our testing. That's what it takes to find out each club when it's hit all over the face, how it's going to perform when you play like that. So, that takes me to the next question. Why do YouTube golf club reviews still exist? And why are they still growing? And I think it started in a good place, meaning I think it all started off from wanting to educate the consumer, which is all that we're about, educate and empower the consumer. Unfortunately, what the business analytics show you, meaning the people that run these businesses see, the YouTuber, is that educating doesn't pay the bills at least not quickly enough. And in order to grow those views, those subscribers, that fame, it becomes less about educating and almost all about entertaining. And that's why you don't see reviews of hybrids. Think about it. No one cares about seeing a hybrid review. They want to see drivers and that's the lowest hanging fruit out there. Okay. And the famous YouTubers that are out there might not like to hear what I'm saying, but any of them that have gotten big know exactly what I'm talking about because they've seen the data and we're all about data. And we have a saying and it says in data, we trust and all the data says education isn't the way to fame. And so that gets me to where do you think this is going? And Tony, I'll start with you because you and I have been doing this the longest and you and I have had so many conversations about, should we do it? Why should we? Why shouldn't we? How do we get better? How do we do this the best to where it actually helps golfers make more informed decisions rather than just pumping out content? So do you think this is going to continue? And if you do, where is it going? And if you don't, what do you see stopping it?
Well, I mean, it's it's definitely going to continue, right? It's anybody who's looking for an opportunity, right? Whether it's to to get some golf clubs for nothing or to, to become YouTube famous, as, as we joke about, or, or just because they think they've got, I guess, a, a unique approach or something different. I mean, YouTube's not going to die. So I think you're going to see people continue to explore the golf space and the golf, golf review space on YouTube. So um, although I jokingly say it will go wherever Mark Crossfield takes it because, uh, you know, I think there was something to what he said when we talked to him at the PGA show about, you know, he came out and he was, he was doing his thing and then a bunch of people came in that space. And so he had to move somewhere else and to kind of followed him around. It feels like he's running away from himself. So, I mean, you're going to big place. You're going to have innovators and, and, and copycats to a degree. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to keep going. And I think, I think as launch monitors, right, that's to a degree sort of the key to everything, right, is the, the availability of the launch monitor. So I think as long as we continue to have launch monitors and they become more accessible, you're going to have more guys out there doing the YouTube review thing for sure. But it does seem to be evolving. Like, look at the people that started, right? They're doing, let's take Crossfield. He's obviously evolved into, he still does club reviews, but he'll even tell you, you know, I do club reviews not to tell you how the longest drive one is. It's this company says X. I want to see if X really is true. Um, and kind of the new things that are coming out technologically just to educate you on them, right? Which is good. But he he does more uh, teaching than he does golf club reviews anymore. So he's Space evolved. For sure. right. And you take even Rick Shields. He used to do a review a day, it seemed like. And now he's starting to do the things that get more views, meaning... Oh, I've got this thousand cc driver or something, or I explode this ball. That's more. That's moving more towards entertainment than education, which I'm okay with. That like, if you're in it for sure. entertainment, go for it. But if you're out there trying to educate people and tell people that this club is that much better than this one, and you're hitting five shots, you're wasting your time. You're wasting my time. It's just a waste of time in general. Right. And that has proved itself to be true over years and years and years of people reviewing single golf clubs by a single golfer. There's zero value in it unless you have their exact swing, right? So I see Crossfield evolving. I see Shields evolving. And once those two guys evolve, there's going to be people I see that come in and try to take what they left. Um, but I don't know. I just don't see it lasting anymore, you know? And I see the golf companies probably smartening up to it. Yeah, it seems like I, it is. What's that? It's good for the golf companies. They love it. I mean, it's, it's exposure, right? And yeah. as long as... For the most part, these guys play it reasonably safe, right? They're, you've never heard anybody go, hey, this, this product is, is bad. It doesn't do what they say it does. It's you know not nearly as good as, as six others that are supposedly just like it or worse, right? Yeah, the most uh, critical so they very little of that, but it's, it's kind of a self-feeding beast. Yeah, from a marketing standpoint, it's good exposure because video is a good medium for companies to get exposure. I don't so. disagree with that, you know, and maybe you're right and I'm wrong. Like, and this is a, you pat my back, I pat your back industry. Mm -hmm. So if you take care of me, I take care of you. You do a bad review of some company, uh, like my gospel does. Guess what? I used to be, I mean, remember that? That was, that was back in the day, right? Like we were into a degree. It's still true. Even though I think we've evolved past what I would call reviews, but I yeah, mean, I, even, even stories, one sentence here or there gets cherry picked. I mean, Call it a review, whatever you want to, whatever the words you want to use, we're only as good as our last one, right? I mean, I'll never forget when reality. there was an article written on my golf spy. It was just an amazing article. I think Tony wrote it and it was probably yeah, four. Sound like something, right? <laughs> I think it was four or 5,000 words. And there was one sentence. That sounds like something, right? Yes. That's how I know you wrote it. Uh, there was one sentence in the article and it was about Nike. And we got a call from Nike within probably 15 minutes of publishing that article and said, we want you to take that down. And I went, did you read the rest of the article or is that the only thing you saw? And no, we're not removing it. You know, like it's the truth. And that's, that's the level of scrutiny, you know, how they scrutinize the words that are written, the words that are said, and you got to play by their rules in this industry. Well, they're trying to control the industry. Oh, so they want to control the message. It is changing a little bit. Finally starting to give a little bit just because there's there's been sort of a, a rise in content creators and so there's there's sort of just more out there in general and because of the volume of, of what's out there I think they're willing to give give a little bit more leeway in some cases. Yeah, and I've talked to Crossfield. Maybe about we've that just too. finally gotten big enough where it's uh they realize we weren't going away. I mean, yeah, well, I I, th I think it's going more towards entertainment. I 
I think there's a lot of golfers and just general public that are just out there. Just that's great. Let let's sit down and watch four hours of YouTube hey, videos. Just I'm for totally fun. cool with that. You know what I mean? But if you're out there yeah, trying think, to go ahead, Tony. I think just for me the the thing that's important, right? With with YouTube or anywhere else, and I preface this like, look, I've gotten things wrong before. Everybody gets things wrong from time to time, and hopefully you you correct it when you can. But for me, the big thing is just this idea that, uh, you know, the source is reliable. He has good information. He knows what he's talking about. Uh, And, you know, an example, I saw something when the the TS1 came out. It popped up on, on YouTube, and it was like, the most forgiving Titleist driver ever. And I'm like, no, no, don't, don't tell people that it's, it's not the most forgiving titleist driver ever. It's not the most forgiving in the, in the current lineup. And that may sound like a, a small detail, but if you've got a guy who's, who feels like he's been waiting for a forgiving titleist driver, he runs out and buys it. You know, that, no, you know, yeah, that, that the basic information has to be good. There's a lot of misinformation out there. That's for sure. So, you know, and I'll back to the purpose of it, I think is there's two things, education and entertainment. If you're out for entertainment, cool if you're out to be educated on what how is this club right for me we learned really early on the only way to do that is head-to-head testing at the same time and there's reasons why i'll give you one specific one when we learned let's say we have 35 drivers in a test right and we when we learned just something long years ago that a golfer comes in to test the club and he goes from a heavy head to a light head meaning he's got to test six drivers that day how much just that difference between products can influence the data from one club positively or negatively to another, we went, oh man, like there are protocols that have to be in place and stuck to strictly or else the data is garbage. And just imagine that over a 10,000 shot test. What's that? So many things that we've, we've sort of found over the years and, and have to kind of adjust for, right. And learn from tweak our protocols because like you, you never would have known it until you kind of stumbled upon it and you're like, oh shit, all right, this is not expected. How do we make sure that you know, we deal with this for the next time? Yeah, and there's hundreds of those. Time, really. There's hundreds of those things that we've stumbled upon. We stumble upon them every day almost when we look at the data. Mm-hmm. So I feel like to go back to doing five shots with a single driver, with a single tester, that is taking us 10 years back. And yet that is what is becoming the most popular because it's the lowest, easiest hanging fruit to grab that's possible. And that is driver come in, hit five shots, get rid of driver, go to the next. But, you, but yeah. do you think too, it's because a lot of people like, you know, they just want to be told what to buy quickly, easily. They they want it to be as simple as, as what these guys are doing. That might and, be part of the reason that it has gotten as popular. But a lot of it is because... People love drivers. People love distance. People love quick and easy. Tell me what's right. Mm-hmm. People okay. also love to be entertained. People also love personalities. So, Tony, what were you saying about doctors, like an analogy? Yeah, there's there's some there's a study I saw a while back that showed that that people are less likely, and we're talking about malpractice suit here, are less likely to sue a bad doctor that they like. Then they are a good doctor with a with a bad bedside manner. So and why is that? I guess you don't you don't want to go after a guy you like, right? And so you you tend to, or if you like the guy, you probably sort of are more inclined to believe that things aren't his fault, or he knows what he's doing, or things yeah. like that. Yeah, the good guys. Skeptical of that's why I think. That's why I think there's there's golfers out there that will lean towards one manufacturer than the other. And subconsciously in their mind, it sets, for instance, TaylorMade. He said, oh, I've had a TaylorMade in the in previous years. Kind of like it. And then if someone sees like a, oh, this, the new TaylorMade's out and you see that review, it just puts that little bit of validation for them. If they say one good thing, all right, I'm going to get that's it. that's all they need. That's all oh, they yeah. need. What is it's that? Literally. Confirmation bias and validation. Yeah, yeah that's all you need. Like so, Where they think that the product is going to be good. So Yeah, well, they're looking for golfers. a yes. Golfers have tremendously long memories anyway, it seems like. So <laughs> you'll talk to a guy who who bought a, a driver he liked in <laughs> 1994. He bought a driver he really liked it. And so he's bought nothing but that brand sensor. Correct. Conversely, yeah. you Which know, makes in, zero in sense. Because, because the, the, the company could never get anything wrong from that point on. You know, they every right. driver no, from that on has well, to be better. Yeah. Than the one that he was. But that's playing. when brand loyalist comes 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 yeah. into play. I was actually it's a beautiful watching one thing. of Crossfield videos. I don't watch many videos, but I was watching one of his, and he was talking about his dad. You know, Crossfield's pretty critical of <clears throat> companies' claims, just like we yeah. are, rightfully so, because a lot of them are bullshit, right? And 
he was talking about his dad came up to him and said, but why would they tell me that's true if it wasn't true? And he was like, dad, are you kidding me? To sell products. <laughs> yeah, but that's how a lot of consumers think. Why would a company tell me something if it wasn't true? They couldn't be wrong. They couldn't be lying to Wait. me. They couldn't be Wait. trying to It couldn't just me. be marketing. Yeah, it couldn't be persuasive it's exactly marketing. with everything else in the world, pretty much. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's, you know, I mean, companies companies have literally lied about things that have caused people to die, right? I mean, look at some of the, <laughs> today, the someone is doing that. It happens like that every single there, day. So, Vape I mean, today. To, to stretch the truth on a golf club. <laughs> what is that it's statement not, you always say, Tony? But you say, don't Tony? want to believe that they would do that. You don't want to believe that they would lie to you. What is the statement that the industry kind of has accepted when you, we talk to insiders about they're willing to stretch the truth, but. Oh, yeah, no, every. Everybody gets to be a little bit full of shit. Nobody gets to be totally full of shit. That's kind of where the line is. <laughs> and that comes from golf industry people. Well, it's it's definitely something that uh, we've talked about. Everybody kind of nods in agreement over. So I mean, yeah. that's you know that that's just marketing, right? It's you know, I had I had uh, one marketing guy tell me you know, not too long ago that one of the guys I like he said, look, you know, we uh, we stretch the truth, or he said we're storytellers, but we don't lie. So that's. <laughs> And that's, I mean, there's, there's always a line there, right? But that's, I mean, yeah, So back to the purpose of the conversation, and that is YouTube golf club reviewers, education or entertainment. If you're in it for entertainment, by right. all means, enjoy it, right? If you're there to be educated and find out what the club, best club for you is, and it's based on a single golfer hitting five to 10 shots and with one club, you're wasting your time. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. Moving on. All right, so next up is Most Wanted Monday, where we cover the things we're testing in the facility, things we'll be publishing on the site this week and weeks to come. And uh, man, that golf speaker post that we did was polarizing. <laughs> oh, it's so Got a guy that wants to bring least. a gun. Uh, a few other guys are really angry. One of the guys quoted, uh, was it Scarface? Or one of the mafia guys, and I, I'm going to go in the night and... And kill him and then piss on them, burn the house down and piss on the ashes. Guys do not like speakers on the golf over course. A, over a golf speaker? A golf speaker, yeah. It's some so funny. Rage. And there's, the, a lot of them are saying rage. like, oh, that you'd never see the PGA pros do it. Dude, they play at Scottsdale <laughs> National where the crowd is going nuts and music playing and like, that's echoing throughout the whole round of your your of your so really your, quickly where do you like 10 years from now tony do you think that this will be like the fact that this is a big deal that we're like man people are pissed off that we're talking about we're not even saying we're doing it we're just talking about testing golf speakers on the course and people are angry at us right so 10 what? years 10 years from now do you think that this is even going to be a topic of conversation well, I guess first it depends if it's still technically against USDA rules, right? Which is which is silly. Let's just let's you know that that's silly. But uh, no, the next demographic that comes up, the kid that's twenty now no, and becomes the golfer. No, I think I think sort of people are are growing up with mobile music now, and it's a part of you know if I if I go anywhere around my house, a lot of times I'm taking a speaker with me. I'm doing yard work, whatever. And so there's no reason why that shouldn't extend to the golf course as long as you're not disrupting everybody or anybody for that matter. And, and not for anything. Guess what, guys? Yeah, a lot of the pros when they're when they're just out playing practice rounds or just out for fun doing whatever. Yeah. I played with Pat Perez earlier uh, or late last year. He had a speaker with him. Guys, this is it's I mean, Jordan Well, speak. Pat Perez has a mullet, so I know he's got a speaker with him. <laughs> Perez is badass. I mean, Jordan Speed and Justin Thomas play golf on their off days shirtless. And yeah, barefoot shoeless. and shirtless in the Bahamas. So they can do what? Give it a break. That, that's definitely the bigger offense. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Touche. I don't know. After I heard about Adam Levine playing at uh, Parsons Course with basically just, what was it, shorts? That's it? Well, that's, I mean, that's the rule at Bob's place, right? That's what I thought. Then I tried to come out there with no shirt on, and he was like, put a shirt on. <laughs> put a PXG shirt on. Brother. Brother. <laughs> All right. Well, next up is the SG Iron Test, which publishes this week. Yep. Correct? And yeah, SGI, SGI, SGI stands for what? Super Game Improvement. Who is that for? You know, handicaps upwards of 10 and plus, um, guys that are newer to golf, older guys that need to get the ball in the air. Um, you know, if you are if you really struggle to hit the center of the golf club. There we go. Bad ball strikers. Yeah, bad ball strikers. And you know who you are, um, Tony, raise your hand. 
Um, <laughs> but it's it's cool, you know. We're we're seeing a few different things with this iron test, and as the years have progressed, I've kind of seen uh, almost two iron categories in one with this, where you have, for instance, Callaway Big Bertha and Zexio X, for instance, are your traditional looking iron where. All right, um, slow down for a second. So back up. So the the Callaway Big Bertha in the SGI was more like the. For the people that remember in like the old X series iron, Callaway yeah, yeah. irons, they're like that. The big, big, big footprint, bigger face, a little bit of a wider sole, but still looks like a an iron. Right, so that's kind of like what an SGI iron always was, right? Mm -hmm. And then now they're ultra forgiving. The soles are so wide, and they're designed to pretty much just get the ball up in the air and go relatively straight, no matter where you hit it. All right. So with our testers, <clears throat> broken down of guys that fit this category, right? What are we seeing? Which guys like which type of set and which ones are helping other golfers, the the one type of golfer do what? Harry, you yeah. know, we were talking about this earlier. Um, most guys tend to prefer, the higher handicap guys for sure, tend to prefer that wider sole. Helps it get in the air. I mean, it brings back a good 10 yards for each club for every guy that comes on there. I mean, it launches at an angle where they can see a little bit of height and it comes down, comes down a little bit more of a, um, a better descent angle and that's benefiting them but there's guys in our test that will prefer like the sleeker look um, but still chunky compared to like a player's iron obviously yeah, yeah. but they, it all they depends still want on... it to look like a golf club that they recognize Correct. right? And, 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 it's, and a lot of the times if the higher handicaps think that they love a hybrid kind of look and the feel of a hybrid and it's funny too the guys that get older and older that your your golf ego kind of sheds over time and older guys are i'll play whatever helps me get the ball in the air you know it's whatever helps them get the ball in the air and hit greens and um the one thing i want to make everyone aware of is if you're going to go get fit for super game improvement iron and you're you're going to go get fit for iron in general and you're going to try these out don't fall in love with the distance there's so many clubs in this test that are completely driven on distance and you see that sacrifice you know you're sacrificing launch angle you're not going to hold greens so these hybrid irons will kind of help you get the ball in the air and you'll end up hitting more greens and having more fun just because you're actually holding the green well, there's less benefit to an iron that you hit long that you can never stop right right so what we found well, there that is there is a component too right there is a speed component where where we found something like the uh, the launcher or the uh, the Cobra F Max is, is sort of better suited for a slower swing speed super game improvement, where something like a like a, I believe we have the Rogue X in this That's right. That's a good where point. Yeah. If you have a a higher swing speed and you can can generate enough dynamic loft from what are we <laughs> sort of describe as as jacked static loft, if you have the head speed to get that ball up in the air, that's that's generally the guy who fits into that profile of super game improvement iron. So yeah, I'll you know, agree with Tony there. If if you can if you have the head speed, then something like that the, the head speed to overcome the, the yeah, lack just, of loss. Just buyer beware though. I mean, we really few work. years we had the iron that was going the farthest also finished dead last in strokes gain scoring. You know, so it's not always about the distance. While we know that the golfer is going to remember that in a launch monitor bay when he's going to find his new set of irons. Yeah, that's. You've got to start considering. There's so many factors about golf that aren't just distance, you know? Yeah. you got to start considering more than that. Well, without changing. Yeah, what we find is those those longer ones, they, they go longer, but they also go disproportionately, slightly so, more offline. And there, there's some reasons with that, with the with the way loft works and things like that. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a consideration, right? You're yep. probably, in most cases, going to give up a little bit of accuracy. And over time, that, that little bit, bit of accuracy adds up eventually starts adding up in the form of the higher numbers on the scorecard. Yeah. But strokes gain SGI iron testing publishes tomorrow, tomorrow. So everyone out there that is in that category, looking for a new set of irons that thinks that that is something that can help their game. Look out tomorrow for the results. Uh, we kind of already know what those are, I think. And I, think I wish I could gonna, tell you now, yeah, but I can't, I think there's going to be a couple surprises, but I think they're, they deserved it, you know, yeah. Um, so other than that, coming up, I know a lot of people are asking what's next. So we have players irons are next. Yep. And, then and three woods shortly after. Three woods. Hybrids and then utilities, wedges, and we're done. Yep. And then on the soft goods side, we have what? Uh, electric push carts. Well, electric carts, you would say. Um, right. It's coming out on Thursday. And that's an interesting category, too. 
uh, we just started testing it a couple of years ago, really, and it really wasn't a my golf spy most wanted test because there weren't enough different companies. But what's interesting is there has a newcomer that has basically created two different parts of electric push carts. So the what are those two? I mean, you got your standard electric cart where you have to have the whole unit. Um, the one that like follows you with the fo- Yeah, I mean, you got so many different features now. You've got ones that follow you um, from Stuart Golf. You have ones that tell you how far you've walked around the course, um, which is good if you're one of those guys that wants to know or girls. Um, you have ones that have just remote controls where you can walk ahead and it comes behind or vice versa. And then the other category, which I think is really cool. Correct. And not nearly as expensive as what is it? Uh, it's called E-Wheels Club Booster. So that's if anybody just owns a push cart already, doesn't want to have to replace it with an electrical one, you can just buy this thing. Yeah, and Does it work with any push cart? Pretty much. There's there's a huge uh, array of them. I mean, you've got your major, major brands. You've got Bag Boy, Click Gear. Um, I think Tour Trek was one of them, just one model of it. But there's so many of them out there that so you for- can just clip out. So basically... You, where you have the wheels, you have like a device. The back wheels. Back wheels, yeah, correct. Um, where you clip it on. And then in the e-wheels, you have just separate set of clips, which are like clamps. And they clamp onto um, the e-wheels car. So they just so replace the wheels. basically it turns any push cart into, into an electric, electric car. Wow. And price-wise difference, what's the average price for the, the full-blown one and then the e-wheels? If you take the big ones and the, the smaller ones into account, you're looking about 1,500-ish. And then for e-wheels... 600 bucks. So, so look, if you already price. own a $200 push cart and you don't want to invest $1,500, and the e-wheels does pretty damn at the, well. At the end of the day, if you want just to get around and not push it, and you have a remote control, you get e-wheels every time, in my opinion. So when does the test publish for that? Thursday. This Thursday. So for those of you that are interested in that, take a look for Thursday and uh, see which ones came out on top. And that's most one in Monday for no putts given today. Yeah. All right. So golf just got a little more fun and it wasn't that hard to do. So they say. We posted this picture, <laughs> uh, the club fix. I ran across this image and I was like, man, that's really cool. And it's just a red cup. You know? but red a solo l- cup. <laughs> it does look a little <laughs> bit like college for you young bucks. It does. You have, you remember? Does that uh, bring back flashbacks of your partying days? From what you remember. It does bring me flashbacks, but it's not a good flashback. <laughs> well, anyway, a lot of people liked it. A lot of people didn't. The people that didn't like it, I don't even know why the hell they didn't because they said they were colorblind, so I don't know how the hell they saw it. <laughs> how did you see the <laughs> red cup if you can't see the red? <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, what do you guys think of this? I mean, it's a cool little idea, I think, that some clubs are doing different colors. What do you think? I mean, the, the older guy that hates speakers obviously did not like this. But well, what do you guys think? I think it's it's one of those ones where they just put it out there because it's they think it will be cool. But I, I guarantee, I think if we test them, just like we did flagstick in, flagstick out, I think there will be different colors will perform differently. For di- I, for you think people things. will make more putts if there's like a certain color in the cup? It, within within a within a certain yardage, Look like Tony. Tony's saying no, but Tony's not going to make putts either way. Dollars in him. Right. I think I think it would I trigger something you, in your I brain. I really well. It's the strength of my game. Everything else is garbage. <laughs> but so, it would be interesting, right? So I actually think what would be more interesting is to test golf balls, colors, to see. Because I'm not looking at the cut from 25 feet away necessarily. Right. But I am staring at my ball. And we do know that there are certain things about the top of alignment aids on putters and mm-hmm. things like that that actually do increase or make you a better or worse putter, right? Or golfer. Of the driver the What's that? visual acuity exactly um so what do you think you think we should test these theory no no yes i i to listen to tony i think you should yeah um, I, th- I think you i think you'll see a difference well what do you guys think of red cups on your golf course if you saw that i think it's badass i'm indecisive i vote badass tony i'm, I'm not sure right now i could give a shit all right well you let us know in the comment section, what you guys and girls think of the red cups. You think that uh, you would like to see it at your course or just stick to the ones you got now. Uh, next we have a black Mizuno iron, which was interesting. So Sam posted this picture on Instagram. We had these done from lab works golf for anybody that's interested. 
They uh, do a great job, by the way. Anything yeah. we've had done. Yeah, they do good work. As you can years. tell. It's the most liked photo we have ever posted on Instagram. 11,000 likes. It's pretty impressive for a golf club picture. So why is that, first of all? And why don't you see more golf club companies doing this? You're starting to see them, but it's mostly on a limited edition yeah. type thing. So do you think if eleven, if it's the most liked photo from a golf club company that we've ever posted, you would think that they would sell better, right? And more people are liking them, obviously. So do you think this is going to become more of a standard edition for more companies or is it going to stay limited edition? I say limited edition. I mean, as a, as a golfer, you know, I, I know people that like to play the black irons. I know people that are currently, I get, I know a guy who's playing black AP twos right now and they're really sexy. Um, but as a golfer, I'm not, I don't like to look down at a black iron. You, you made know, that point before. Like it, what does it do? It, I don't, I can't, I have not played. Okay, so I had black glide wedges, the yeah. blacked out from Ping, and I got it. I was like, I can't, I can't do it. Like I don't like. For me, it. for me, the face shrinks. Like the head looks it's smaller. Yeah, yeah. I, I think black it's like is Spanx oh, for golf clubs. I, be- yeah. <laughs> I, be- I better hit this. Well, otherwise I'm gonna miss the whole ball. <laughs> but do you think that's because you haven't seen a lot of? You just haven't looked down on an item like that. True. I definitely think it's that's part of it. But the Cobra. Um, for, uh, Forge Tech Forge irons? Tech, yeah. I love those. I would play those in an instant. So that brings me to the next point. And Tony's more of an expert on this than most of us. But So people ask all the time, yeah, that looks awesome, right? But I'm going to hit it three times and it's going to look like crap, you know, crap mm-hmm. after three shots on the range. And what golfers don't understand, and rightfully so, is the fact that you are right. In the past five years, any limited edition iron that was black did not, you know, did not last long. And they were made from a material called PVD, Okay. Now there are new materials like this one, DBM. Uh, and Tony, what is the difference? And you know, and what do they stand for? Like, what what does it stand for? Pressurized, vaporized, deposit. Uh, PVD is, I think that um, DBM. I can't remember the acronym stands for. Like diamond, black metal, or something. Yeah, like that. but nevertheless, like, what is the difference in wear? Like, how long before you notice wear on a PVD iron, and how long before you notice wear on a DBM iron? Generally now, I want to say like with the with the last round of black irons, both both Callaway and Titleist have said they've been it's PVD, but it's an improved PVD, more durable PVD, uh, TBD on that PVD. Uh, <laughs> but um, the DBM stuff, the uh, the DBM, which is what Cobra uses, Mulpy uses, Ben Hogan uses, uh, that tends to be significantly more durable. On the uh, I think I think don't hold me to this. I believe Ping uses. Uh, a QPQ on their wedges. Voki uses a QPQ on their wedges. I believe I've been playing the the black wedges, the black Vokis for almost a year, and you know everything but the face looks absolutely magnificent. Well, we've got the original yeah, Cobras um, that uh, were black. Remember the blades, the yeah. combo set. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, the MPs. we've had them for years in the facility. That was DBM as well. Yeah, they still look brand new. You and know, you've taken those out to the course a few times and played with them. Well, now. y'all had them in the in the facility a ton. Yeah, I mean, I guess wear is wear, but we definitely notice more wear when you get dirt and grass involved. Yeah, right? oh, absolutely, and... but there's no wear on those, right? right? And if you took well, like a PVD iron, you would see The big thing wear. in the wear, too, is like you're you're going to get from that sole contact, right? When you're the sole making contact with the turf, you're going to get wear. You're going to get, you know, kind of that patina look where it's a little bit glossy. You don't necessarily lose all the color. That's fine. That's to be expected. What you run into with some of the PVDs is that it's it's – so not durable that you see scratching mm-hmm. or even kind of chipping and flaking and yeah and if that's you slam definitely on your back too hard so it clinks. It's, it's not necessarily where where the where the club is hitting the ball or the cl- club is hitting the turf it's it's where from just being in the bag and get knocking getting knocked around where it, it just looks bad in a way that it shouldn't well just so that. golfers know not all black finish clubs are you know, created equally, right? These are going to last much longer. Um, so you guys tell us what you think. Do you think that this should become a more standard edition from golf companies? More companies should provide this, uh, you know, uh, from a retail standpoint, should it stop becoming only limited edition? You tell us. Yeah. And I, will you pay extra money f- that's, to have those on To those have those right? yes. Will you pay the extra? Yeah. So or that, for there most is of these upcharge. companies, they are not willing to eat the extra cost Correct. of the extra process so you know hey if, if i love the way it looks 
as a consumer, would I pay more for it? I mean, maybe it just depends how much, right? But usually, uh, usually what you get is not a case of, of golf companies trying to break even on, on the, well, the on bad the finish, thing is too, like, there's an opportunity to make more money because of it. So bad thing is I don't want to hit them. I know they, they look so they're good. Sit, they're sitting in, in, in a bag in my office and I don't even hit them in the simulator. They're wall hangers, not gamers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm going to say anyway, uh, we're going to finish up with back to Titleist. So Tony is traveling to Titleist tomorrow. Yes, Tony, sir. can you tell us a little bit about that trip before we head out of here today and uh, what's you are expecting from it and um, you know any input that you want from uh, the followers here? Yeah, so heading out to Titleist tomorrow, I'm driving, driving down to uh, New Bedford slash Fairhaven. Uh, itinerary still a little uh not set in stone i guess um, it's in flux but my understanding is we'll have plenty of time to sit down and talk to the r d guys we'll do the ball plant tour and then uh thursday morning we'll be over to manchester lane for my first ever ball fitting which should be really interesting and you know i think uh hopefully eye-opening right an educational opportunity for sure so if there's anything you guys want to know about titleist about ball fitting golf balls in general right Anything that sort of would be covered in that space, hey, let us know, and we'll do our best to, to get those questions addressed in, in one form or another. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. We were telling people we were going to Titleist, and we've been there before. But the first thing one of the guys said was, Titleist is really letting you in that building after the Kirkland golf ball test? Like, and I was like, what do you mean? And it's great because they said, man, that's got to be like a 60 Minutes documentary. Like that whole story, and then they're letting you in and not wanting to kill you. And you know, there's a whole lawsuit now between Titleist and Costco over this golf ball test. And it is pretty amazing. And I think the bigger takeaway for me was that Titleist is willing to let us in because if you educate people that your product is better, which I'm not saying it is, I'm just saying, you know, kudos to them for letting us in and showing us the difference between the different products. And, you know, we've obviously tested them, but it's definitely a um, tip of the hat to Titleist for letting I mean, us in. They've remained confident in their product for as long as I can remember. That's we, very true. We don't always see every company act like that. So that's a good well, point. Well, it's like I said, we've, we've seen some changes in Titleist over the years. And one of the things they've told me is that they're trying to be a more open company, which is something, right? It used to be, hey, we, we, we make really good stuff and you have to take our word for that. Yeah. Where now well, it's we, we believe in what we do. We believe in our process and we're willing to show it to you. And, and certainly when I saw it on the, on the club side, for example, just the durability testing they do, not only on their own product, but on anything that gets attached to their own product. So, you know, shaft durability testing, the stuff they do with grips to simulate environmental wear and the, the amount of, of things that, that get rejected because they don't hold up to those standards. So, you know, what I tell people, at least on the club side, and we'll see what it looks like on the ball side, but on the club side, if there's a shaft or a grip that is out there widely in the marketplace and there's even some demand for it, if you don't see it in the Titleist lineup, there's probably a good reason why, and that reason is probably good enough where you might want to look at something else. Hey, that and remember the grip that they don't put in their lineup, and because the paint won't stay in. Just that. And simple. I think people would be shocked to hear what grip company that is and why it's like that. But they're they're quality first, you know, and I respect that. So that's it for no putts given. The only thing I can say for you out there is BYOB, be your own brand, play what's best for you. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right.